another Sunday, and Nebraska football has lost. If these words seem familiar to you, it's because it's happened 30 times in the last five seasons. Connor Happer is joining me, Mike Schaefer, for this new venture that we are calling Sunday Side Sessions here on Husker 24-7. And the purpose of this is just kind of walk through the game that we saw, set up what's coming up next, and then, uh, you know, Happer, first of all, thanks for joining. Second of all, there's probably some conversations we'll get to on the second half of this that are a little bit more big picture <laughs> than maybe the first 15 minutes or so. But when I reached out to you to do this, I don't think either of us, and, and I'll speak for you here for a second, I don't think either of us thought that we would be doing this again. We had an entire football season last year where every Monday we got to collaborate about what the hell happened, why the hell it happened, why the hell it keeps happening, how they can prevent it from happening. So we're pretty well versed, I think. So in in some ways, you're the you're the right guest to have for the first loss of the season, which just so <laughs> happens to be the first game for the fourth time in five years. You know, I was All thinking right. about I was thinking about it, Schaefer. Like, you know, is there was there a way that this wasn't going to at least turn into a big picture conversation? If I mean, obviously, if they lose, which which they did, it's going to immediately turn to that. Um, but if, if they win, you know, it's still like the referendums probably don't come for, for a few weeks left. And maybe even if they hold, if they, if they stay above water until the end of the season. So this was, I mean, it was sort of inevitable that we were going to end up here. I just didn't think we'd end up here on, uh, August 28th. Yeah. You know, the buildup to this year, a lot of it was sort of. And, and I'm sure you got this a lot with the people in your life, but getting questions about, okay, are, are these changes enough? And it was really hard to answer. And I kept coming back to what you and I talked about last November, which was it kind of felt like Nebraska was in the first year of starting something new. And I don't want to use that as any sort of excuse for the fifth year of losing a lot in the same way that you have before. I'm not trying to say that the staff needs more time or anything like that. They're going to get 11 more games. That's the time that they're going to get. I agree. That's that's all they frankly deserve to get. And I'll leave it at that for now. Uh, we'll dive into that more later. But, you know, everywhere that it came up for me this offseason, it was, hey, are they going to be able to run the ball? And how is Mark Whipple and Scott Frost going to work together? The first one, I had no idea how I was going to answer. Like, no clue, because they went and hired an offensive line coach in Donovan Rayola that had never coached before. Uh, at certainly, you know, I'd say that, and people are like, well, he was an assistant to the assistant offensive line coach, you know, for the Chicago Bears. And to that, I basically just make a loud fart noise. Right. Because it, it's not the same thing. Yeah. It's just not. And so uh, I had no idea what the offensive line was going to look like. And I think they largely were the same as we've sort of come to know them. Um the other question was how do Scott Frost and Mark Whipple work together? And that I was, I was a little bit more forceful in my answer, which was they hired Mark Whipple to run an offense. And I do think on Saturday that offense is what it's going to be for Nebraska. And frankly, I think it's good enough to have some success. Do I think it's going to win you 11 more games? No. Um, or it's, I shouldn't have said more. Do I think it's going to win you 11 games left on your schedule? No. 
but is it good enough that you should be able to beat teams in the Big Ten West? Yes. And we'll start there. I thought Nebraska's offense, I mean, they put up 28 points. Generally, historically, that's enough when you're playing Big Ten West teams. And I was, I mean, if you would have told me going into the game, Nebraska scores 28, will they win? 100% of the time, I would have said yes. Yeah. My number was 27. I mean, I, I thought they were going to win 27 17. And I was actually talking about that with people last week, and not to shift it too much to the defense right away, but I was talking about that with people last week, asking people really all throughout the last couple of weeks, like, what's the maximum amount of points they can give up for you to feel like comfortable? And I, and I think we sort of settled on like 20, 21, 24 max. And, you know, it ends up at 31 and ends up the way it is. I mean, but to the offense, though, it, it I don't think it looked that far off from sort of what I imagined it in my yeah. head. I, I did think that they'd be able to run it a little bit better conventionally, and maybe there's still sort of time for that, and it, and it you know, glues together um, on the offensive line a little bit more. Um, maybe Scott Frost will have more of a hand in it, and they get more creative. Uh, that sounds like a, a mess that that is sort of waiting to happen. We can, of course, get to those comments, but like – um, you know, I think they, they, what they wanted to do was sort of use the short passing game and the quick, easy passing game as sort of their version of, of, of an identity and what they can do consistently. And it was pretty good in the, in the first half. Um, and Casey Thompson looked like the guy who was going to be able to do it. Um, and then, you know, he got off, like things got off script. He made that huge play. And it just felt like everything, and obviously the you know the onside kick was was built in there too. So there's a huge momentum swing in there, and then it just and Brock Heward mentioned it during the broadcast. Like it just went it went haywire. It felt like everything got really sped up for him, and, and not just not just Casey Thompson, but the entire offense in general. And you were sort of like trying to 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 swim out of the deep end again, and that happens to Nebraska so quickly. That's one thing that hasn't changed from the previous iterations of this offense that we've seen over the last four years. When they get sped up, when they get behind schedule, they have a really, really difficult time sort of sticking, either A, sticking to the plan, or B, executing the things that had worked for them the entire game leading up to that point. It just like, it's like they hit a brick wall. Um, and that was, that was the same yesterday. Yeah, you know, it, it, last year it was a conversation of what hallmark plays do you have that you can rely on that aren't just Adrian does something. And this year they got into that situation in the third quarter where, you know, you got to keep moving the ball. You got you to be able to at least keep your defense off the field a little bit. And they don't have a running game that you can rely on. I mean, I, I know that Anthony Grant had 110 yards or whatever it was, 101 yards but 46 of which came on that one run. Mm -hmm. So I, it's not a, it's not a situation where that's been particularly consistent. Um, you know, I thought it was really telling that in a critical, critical spot. And I wonder if this was a Scott Frost influence, Logan Smothers trots onto the field for one eight yard run. First thing I and thought, then, yeah. and then goes back off the field. I mean, it just, there, there was always going to be a learning curve trying to mesh, you know, what Mark Whipple is with what Scott Frost, you know, wants to do. And, and Scott Frost basically being a former play caller who no longer has that duty, what he was going to be like in that whole realm. 
but it, it, it's, you know, they're very much a work in progress, but you can see how and why it could work. It amazes me that one ankle injury to Travis Vokalek mm. suddenly killed their ability to throw the seven to nine yard passes that were pretty successful early on. Um, it felt so like in the middle of the field. So yeah, I, I mean, it, it just felt like after that happened, suddenly Casey just couldn't do anything else. Um, his ball started to get a lot worse as the game went on, which makes you wonder if something happened during the game uh, that, you know, he wasn't, there was a throw. He looked comfortable, but I agree with you. It it was coming out weird. Maybe that's just who he sort of is as a passer, but I don't know. Yeah. And you know, you'd see these replays and it's just like, they were never spirals. Like they were never tight. Um, So they're pretty wobbly. And then of course, when you're trying to throw, across the field like a deep out or something he doesn't really have a huge arm so it's not like he's putting a ton of zip on that too you could just see in the second half that the the passes were not as crisp as they were because you go back to that very first touchdown that he threw to Isaiah Garcia Castaneda great catch great play great throw like Mm -hmm. I mean they just didn't look like that in the second half so that that makes me wonder if something else is going on there but then it goes back to like I said you don't have a running game you can rely on. You don't have things where you can just go get, okay, we had a bad first down at second and 10. What's a play where we're at least going to give ourselves third and five or better? You know, you know, not that you can always gain five yards on every play, but like a play that 70% of the time you're going to have success with. And they just don't have it. I, I just, it, it just blows my mind how difficult the simplest things are for this team, uh, regardless of everything that you change, everything that looks different. It comes back to when adversity hits, they simply just don't have the ability to stay away from mistakes. And it's not all on Casey Thompson. He had two interceptions, both of which sort of felt like the guy either that dropped the pass and Wyatt Lever or Oliver Martin could have made a little bit better play on the ball. Uh, it wasn't For like sure, that, Oliver Martin. You know, it wasn't like those weren't near there, but it just – it comes back to an issue that they've had for the last five years. They don't have wide receivers, four years. I mean, really, they don't have wide receivers that they're comfortable with. No matter what they do, it, it just never seems particularly good for them at that spot. So uh, just a giant mess all the way around no. the offense. It, I mean, it never feels it never feels clean. It, it felt clean, I think, for the first half of, of this game. Um, and you're like, oh, okay, this this can be something. They got to figure out how to how to run it better and and – you know, I, I, unfortunately, I don't know. I, I think the answer to that is, is from what it sounds like, Scott Frost getting more involved in, in the offense. and, and Which is great. You know, that's what everybody wants to hear. The, the <laughs> guy that struggled to, uh, you know, put up points when he was the play caller for the last three years. Yeah, I, I thought the way he sort of approached it after the game was like, hey, look, um, you know, I've – I've had to eat this learning curve before. I've seen this learning curve about what it takes to win in the Big Ten. And these coaches are just trying to figure it out for the first time. So I can impart some wisdom on them that maybe they, you know, this is how you do it in this league. You talked about creativity after the game. And I don't know, man. Nebraska has to find a way. This has been one of my critical chief complaints over the last four years. It just feels like everything they do – whether it's play calling and, and, and how they call a football game happens in this weird happens in this vacuum. Like we are trying to get a first down here. 
we have to get six yards here. And it turns into a play to sort of figure out a way to do that rather than this long, you know, marathon season drop. Like you have to, Nebraska, I mean, the long, you know, long story short here, they have to, they have to come up with a plan and they have to stick to it. They, it, it just has felt like so many different things over the last four years. And if we're talking about after the first game, and maybe it didn't work as well as they thought it was going to work, obviously. But if we're talking about after the first game, them sort of looking at that plan and tweaking that plan and, and doing something different on offense, what, it's just not going to, it's not going to get them anywhere. They ha- it has to be a full seat. It has to happen over a full season. They have to be doing the same things. That's how you build that this offense had, I mean, Scott Frost's version of the offense over the last four years before the other day hadn't, it, it hadn't, um, it hadn't built off of itself because <laughs> like, it was centered around one guy. I want to see this offense, even though it lost, I want to see this offense build off of itself and that it, it Scott Frost has to avoid opening up the case with the big red button in it somehow um otherwise it's just not it, it's not going to build off of itself yeah and then that's just the offense which we could spend the full 30 minutes on the defense which we could fill an entire week on was unbelievably disappointing and not in the sense that they were bad against a run because i had a sense that was coming anyways i mean any interview that i could possibly do or i could work in my concern about the interior of the defensive line i made sure to do that and it showed out on Saturday. But I was not prepared for how sloppy veterans were going to be when it came to tackling. And quite frankly, Haber, I wasn't prepared for Nebraska's defense to make Evan Hull and Cam Porter look like they belonged on that Michigan team last year. Yeah. You remember how we were talking about Hassan Haskins and, and I can't remember the other guy's Corum. name. Yeah, Blake Corum. And we were just we were just, you know, dropping lavish praise about how hard they ran and all of that with all the respect that I can muster for Evan Hole and Cam Porter they are not those guys and the play in the very first half where I was like oh this is horrible Nick Henrich gets absolutely bowled over behind the line of scrimmage okay good on him he put himself in a spot slowed him down maybe then Quentin Newsom on the same play gets run over, and it takes four guys to get hold down after a seven-yard run, which he got hit in the back. Like, I don't want to hear about Olympic lifting versus whatever the hell it was that Mark Phillip and Mike Riley was doing. I don't want to hear about your strength and conditioning. I don't want to hear about that you're getting bigger and stronger and all of your off-season work. Because quite frankly going against one of the worst running backs that you'll face in the division. You got absolutely slapped in the face. I mean, I was going to say something else, but I don't know how family friendly this podcast is. (laughs) I haven't set a rating on it yet. We'll see. But I mean, goodness, that was, that was eye opening. And yeah, it it looked bad. Like right away. It was like, if they do this for four quarters, Nebraska is going to be in a dogfight. And we know what it's like when Nebraska's in those fights. They wilt. And what happened? They wilted. Yeah. I'll give I'll give those backs a little bit more credit. I, I thought I thought Porter made some 
a lot of things out of nothing a couple times. Now, some of that is due to the shoddy tackling. But I thought they had him sort of bottled up or maybe the look that they wanted to give him out of the backfield. And he just he just made some moves and made some plays. Um, and Nebraska's got to have more guys on the defensive side to, to be able to sort of go off script and, and make plays. Um, that's been a thing that's sort of developed over four years, and it's now over a couple different waves of players. But, yeah, I mean, the tackling was bad. We knew that they were going to be bad at – up front or, or, you know, a little, a little worse up front, obviously, specifically on the defensive line. I thought they were going to be able to make up for some of that with, with some of their ability to get to the passer and, 100%. Create, and create havoc plays. And, you know, I, I thought, so they got the fumble out. Um, there wasn't any more, they didn't force any more turnovers, did they? No, nope. was, that was just, the they one. didn't really come close. I mean, they had that one fumble which they were able to recover where that, when that ball initially came out, I was convinced it was going to go out of bounds. Yeah. me too. That's just how it's happened for Nebraska. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, they, they forced that one fumble, but yeah, there was, I mean, did Holinsky get knocked down at any point? I don't think he got touched. Uh, no, not much. I mean, there was, I... there was some pressures early, like maybe two or three early. And then after that, there was one good bull rush from Garrett Nelson, where I think he affected something. The rest of the game, that pass rush was nothing. And they have it like that's been a constant theme that you know it'll it'll start slow in the first quarter and you'll kind of wonder like okay are we just gonna let them hit these eight yard passes all day and not pressure the quarterback and then usually they sort of figure out a plan and they they wear them down a little bit too and they do a pretty good job with that it's sort of this sequencing as much as you possibly can of calling a game on the defensive side of the ball but I mean those. Those blitz and Shenander loves those late blitzes, those those ones that come a little bit staggered. They when he just send them from Valparaiso. Yeah, exactly. From outer space, as I like to say. Uh they never got home. They they yeah. they didn't. He didn't get he didn't get really touched. So um that's the thing they're gonna have to do. Or or they're gonna have to think about exactly how much ability they have to get to the passer. And if they don't have as much as maybe they thought they did then they're going to have to do some different things on the back end of the defense, um, you know, where the tackling was bad there too. So you got to evaluate that a little bit. Um, I think that'll get better. And we'll be talking about a little bit of a different thing here before, you know, or, you know, by the time Nebraska plays Oklahoma, but yeah, there, there's, there's some things to look at from that one too. Yeah. I, I mean, and I'll, I'll wear this one. I definitely thought their pass coverage was going to be, uh, better uh, to start the year than certainly where they were at. I thought they'd be a little bit more aggressive because they like their corners and they like their rush end. So maybe you can jam some guys at the line of scrimmage uh, and slow things down that way. But instead, it was the same soft zone that Arthur Sikowski has picked apart, that Tanner Morgan has picked apart, that numerous quarterbacks that don't have, you know, Sunday talent can sit there and they get time and they can make easy throws. And quite frankly, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, a lot of Northwestern's game plan, they dipped into like 2019 Minnesota. Mm. You have to sell out to stop the run, which Nebraska clearly had to do. Okay, here's an RPO to our tight end. Here's an RPO to our tight end. Here's an RPO to the wide open freaking guy in the middle of the field because the safeties didn't communicate because the linebackers don't know who they're going to pick up. I mean, they looked completely unprepared to stop an intermediate passing game off of the RPO which is sort of baffling because that's what you're going to get from a lot of these teams that you face this year. Yeah. And I like, 
the amount of times where the linebackers were supposed to pass to the safety or the, the safeties were passing amongst each other and you just didn't know who had who in coverage. And then, of course, I think Luke Reimer gets hurt and, and Ernest Hausman's thrown in there and it's a critical situation and it's a freshman and he's just not ready, you know, for that coverage spot no. right there. Like, and I, like I look at, at Nebraska's schedule, Indiana's going to do this. Rutgers is going to do this. Purdue doesn't need to do this, but they could do this. I mean, God help you if Purdue's running on you. Uh, Illinois is going to do this. I watched them just play Wyoming. I mean, they're going to be able to run the ball on you and set that up with play action. I mean, so Nebraska is in a precarious spot. If you can't generate any pass rush, you play a soft coverage and teams are like, okay, you're worried against the run. We're just going to play action you all the way down the field. I mean, it was really, really bad. I, I had much higher explanation or expectations. And quite frankly, I was stunned at how little adjustment that they made from the first half to the second. They just, they just asked so much out of their linebackers, especially those middle guys. Um, and, and by the way, on the, on the outside, you know, or nickel, I, I thought, you know, Gifford did a really good job. He was one of the, he was one of the guys on the defensive side. That you were like, Oh, okay. You know, this, this, this could really work here. It felt like he was in the right spot. Um, more often than not, which is, I think, what they what they need to be. But the thought sort of was, well, you're going to give up a little bit uh, in the trenches, so can you put transfer all that pressure to your middle linebackers so they can get out and run and make plays? And that was a bad first – it was a bad first test. I, they they might have failed or got close to that because, um, you know, it, it, or miscalculated on if this sort of formula – that I just laid out, it, they have enough to sort of complete it. Um, you know, they're, they're thin, they're thin at that inside linebacker spot. So all of a sudden when Luke Reimer goes out, things change. It was not a good day for Henrich either. Those guys weren't, weren't free. They weren't as free as they have been over the last uh, couple of years. And that, you know, that changed their, you know, that changed exactly how they look. So, I mean, you take inventory, you see what you have. Um, you see how those guys played, and then you maybe tweak the formula based on that. And that's what I, I have a fair amount of confidence that Eric Shander can do that. Um, but it was it was sort of eye opening. Yeah, Nebraska finds itself in the same exact spot that it was a year ago. They're zero one. They get two warm up games before they play Oklahoma last year. That resulted in a three and nine season, in which the highlight was a fifty six to seven win over the team that just beat them yesterday. How does Nebraska prevent? Oh, you like that line? Yeah, he's just pretty deadpan. Nice. I like it. Uh, how, how does Nebraska prevent – how do they prevent a repeat of 2021? Because you're already – you know, you can use whatever dumbass quote you want. Same movie, seen the same scene, seen it over again, deja vu, whatever it is. I don't care. How does Nebraska prevent a similar season unfolding? Can they? There Do they is... have the ability to avoid that? Because you have it's Happer, it's laid out the exact same way. Yep. You're gonna they're gonna come back and they're gonna play North Dakota. Last year it was Fordham. Then they're gonna play Georgia Southern. Last year it was uh Buffalo. And then it's Oklahoma. Like what what can they do in these next few weeks that could set them up, if anything, to avoid a repeat of 2021? Um, well, I mean I I think it's sort of cut and dry, at least for a start. Um, I think it's beat Oklahoma. 
mean, like, if if they do that, you're you know, you could officially say um, that you are beyond whatever happened in Ireland. Uh, you know, to to make the analogy back to last year, they played really well against Oklahoma. And I expect we both, I think, expected them to go to Michigan State and, and play a really good game and, and get out of there with a win. That was the game after the Oklahoma game. And that was the game we were sort of building up to be. This is this is the must win. This feels like the one that could make it turn a little bit. I think it turns into the Oklahoma game this year. And maybe it doesn't fix all the things that we just talked about, like the X and X's and O's part of it and the how how the offensive staff is working with each other and, and all that stuff. But a win changes everything and it, and it, and it makes people feel a lot better. So I, I think, you know, if you can find a way to get a three and one start, which is what everyone expected you to do um, and you just flip it and you make the win against Oklahoma, you, you can feel like you're back on track. Nebraska has never felt on track over the last four years. They felt like they've been, you know, fighting, fighting, uh, swimming upstream, whatever analogy you want to make there. Um, but they're, they're trying to punch out with their backs against the ropes, like constantly. So the only way you can not feel that way for the remainder of this season is be three and one on when you wake up on September 18th and, and Nebraska's that, that Oklahoma game now, you know, all eyes go to that, I think. Yeah. So is there anything you want to see against North Dakota this upcoming Saturday and each specific player, anything specifically done? I know last year for me, when they took on Fordham, it was just try to figure out your running game, you know, line it up, run right at them. If you have to run 60 times, you run 60 times. It's not a game where you need to throw it a bunch. I think Adrian threw it like 25 times, whatever, you know, I don't, I don't know if I even have anything this year. Like what, what happens when Trev Alberts essentially put a clock on the buyout money on October 1st is that I have a hard time even coming up with like reasons that the North Dakota and Georgia Southern game matter. Mm-hmm. Like it is August 28th and I can't even tell you that games two and three matter for Nebraska because it's either assume that they're going to win or if they don't win, what you already think is going to happen becomes guaranteed. It was always supposed, it it was always going to be that way though. It was always going to be, okay, Northwestern is huge. If you can get through Northwestern, then we're just going to, you know, we're going to spend the next two weeks. We're going to tweak some things, maybe get some younger guys in or more guys in. And then we put everything we have into Oklahoma. Um, Now it's harder to do that with a loss. Um, Things will, you know, this will this will soften over the next couple of weeks. Um, it won't go away because, like you said, Schaefer, there's nothing you could do to to erase what just happened, um, and that's always going to be in the back of people's mind. You're not going to be able to prove it that you're different with wins over North Dakota and Georgia Southern, but it, it softens a little bit, and maybe you could sort of hit the reset button. But that's it. I, I mean. Yes, I want to see them run the ball better, and they have to against these next two teams. But this is all mental. I like they yep. they have to figure out how to get off the mat again immediately, right away to start this season. And I mean, I I know we get sick and tired of hearing of it, but Frost said on it yesterday at the after the game, like this is this is on the put. I mean, th- this what happens in the next two weeks has got to be figured out from an internal standpoint 
on the players. They they have to find a way to not let this thing slip away. Um, and you know, a, a loss in any of the next two games obviously would would be a show that it has. Is there anything that specifically gives you confidence that this team could pull itself off the map? Um, you know, I think, like I said, I, I think it'll feel a little bit different in, in, in a couple of weeks and, and maybe this team gets some confidence. I did like what, um, I think it was Buford after the game. who was like, Hey, you look, we, we, we played our worst game of the year and you know, we only lost by three. So that's sort of scary. Now we can look at that and roll our eyes, but I do like, you know, that's sort of the mindset that you, that you want your guys to have. Yeah. It's better um, that than all is lost. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like there, if there was one thing that, that was positive about this team or, you know, one of a few um, going into the season, I like that they have all this sort of new blood um, and guys that are stepping on the field for the first time. It was always going to be tough to get this win in Ireland because of that. And all these pieces meshing together, but I, there's a lot of guys in the team who I don't feel like feel that same, the same weight that Scott Frost, for instance, carries with them of the last four years. Um, now, does that change when the plane lands or, you know, <laughs> as the plane lands today, maybe because you come back here and things get a little bit heavy again. Um, that's what, that's what wins do. They relieve pressure. And um, so, you know, it, when they got a two and one next to their name, Maybe it'll feel a little bit different, but um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. All right. That was Connor Happer joining us here on Sunday Side Sessions, getting to talk once again about an 0-1 start for Nebraska football after a 31-28 loss to Northwestern. Be sure to stop by Husker 24-7 throughout Sunday, throughout the beginning of the week. We have plenty of coverage of the game over at Northwestern uh or excuse me over in ireland and plenty of coverage about the fallout of nebraska's first loss be sure to check out the connor happer show on sixteen twenty yeah. the zone it airs 10 to 2 every single weekday and i don't know what time well actually we can do eleven thirty tomorrow because nebraska won't have a press conference uh i am on mondays time will be determined most weeks based off of nebraska's press schedule usually but, before yeah. noon yes so we'll uh we'll get that figured out happer anything you want to throw in here <sighs> um perfect that sigh of sadness just works great okay we'll just we'll just end it there then it's just it it, it stinks that like it, to go very back to the very beginning like we're already doing this big picture like what does what happens next and asking all these big questions it's august 28th it just feels so heavy already and um you know maybe one day we'll have a nice uh, a nice short runway or a long runway to start the season yeah well they've earned it it's the unfortunate <laughs> truth but yeah they've earned it and we'll oblige them i guess as we have <laughs> And continue to do so. Happer, appreciate your time here on a Sunday. Have a great uh, last day of your weekend, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks, Schaefer. All right. We'll, uh, be sure to check out everything else from Husker 24-7. We'll have more podcasts coming up this week. The Husker Hypecast will continue to roll down the tracks, even if it feels like the entire uh, you know train has already fallen off here in August. 
So be sure to check that out at Husker 24-7, other podcasts and content as well. We will see you next week.